Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? It's a beautiful day. Thank you to Jesus. I was remembering um, right now one of the stories that one of my teachers shared during class when I was attending Fuller Seminary. I was taking this class called Missions. And uh, when he got his PhD in missions, he had to go to this African country called Equatorial Guinea. And uh, he said that um, where he went to that tribe, he was there for like about a, a month, you know, doing his thesis. And uh, people, uh, the services are about five to six hours, you know, on Sundays because there's no transportation. People don't have bicycles, cars, buses. So families start leaving their homes like at 3 p.m. on Saturdays and walk the whole night to be on time for church the following day. So they don't walk the whole night on Saturday night to just go for one hour to church, right? So um, one of his challenges was that, you know, he had to preach for more than two hours. Uh, he, he said on, that he could preach only for 45 minutes at the most. So, but uh, I was just thinking about the sacrifices that a lot of other Christians do to be in church, you know, on Sundays. And I want to thank you for being here. Uh, I'm very sure that God is proud of you because you didn't let the rain stop you. So thank you for, for being here. Um, Hilda, probably, Hilda and Shirley probably give you like a little calendar that I put together for you guys uh, so that you guys can put it on your refrigerator and stick it there and pray for there and lay your hands on that paper every day. So basically, uh, it's what we are already doing uh, on Sundays. You know, we're meeting for 9.30 for prayer. So thank you for those of you who made it. It was beautiful, awesome. And then uh, the Sunday celebration service, of course, you know, we start at 10 a.m. Now, you see there that it says pray for a friend. We will start explaining to you what that means. But basically, what we're going to be doing is all of us are going to do evangelism. But not, we're not getting up early on Saturday and going door to door, knocking on doors. We're not going to be doing that. But if you want to, we'll support you, and I'll even go with you if you want to do that. I think it's fun, uh, you know, seeing people when they just wake up on Saturdays and then just bring the gospel, you know. But anyways, but one of the easiest ways, you know, we can do evangelism is that you pray to God that God will bring somebody in your life that you can witness to and bring to church. So maybe uh, in March or April, we're going to do one of those services that you used to do before where you used to bring a lot of food. I think you used to do it on a monthly basis. Um, but we'll plan it. But the point is that at that service, you can bring that friend and, you know, we're going to treat them very well. We're going to give them a massage and we're going to share the gospel with them. And we know that the Holy Spirit will touch them. And, and change them. So please be praying for a friend, uh, somebody, you know, that you can just invite to church. And uh, February 21st, of course, we're going to be starting the life group at Malithi's house. So please be there on time. Indian time, 6.50 p.m. Okay? Amen? So that we can be there at 7 p.m. And then we'll start on time. All right. And then if you have any questions, please let me know. So this last Sundays, we've been discussing a little bit the subject of prayer. 
And before I start the message that God has placed in my heart today, I want to share with you a couple of verses just to remind you what we, what we have been speaking about. And one of those first, first verses is Proverbs 19.21. Uh, do you remember this? Uh, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Do you agree with that portion of the scripture? That the plan that God has for your life is way better than any good, great plan that you have for your own life. And then there's another verse uh, that I also want to share with you that is Matthew. Uh, Matthew 6, 5 says, and when you pray, uh, do not pray like the hypocrites. And Jesus was talking about how some people uh, during his day, they will go on the corners and raise their hands and pray in front of people because they wanted to be seen. And Jesus was talking about private prayer, when you pray. So we agree that prayer is not an option. Prayer is not a choice. Prayer is a necessity. Uh, we need to pray. It's important to pray. So uh, keeping those two Bible verses in mind uh, as I share with you this topic and I want to speak to you on the subject of using the Word of God uh, when we pray. So I want to pray and before we read 2 Kings chapter 20. So let's pray today. Father God, I thank you for this time, Lord God, and I thank you for your church. I thank you for every person who is here. Thank you, Lord God, for their effort and the sacrifice to be here. Lord God, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds, and let your Holy Spirit, Lord God, speak to us and learn more about the Word of God, but also, Lord God, uh, knowing that, knowing your Word, Lord God, it's really a great benefit when we pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, but when we learn about you in the Scripture, Lord God, we know how your heart is touched so that you are moved, Lord God, um, and you can answer our prayers. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm going to be reading today from 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 to 5. But first, uh, let me give you a little bit of context before we read these verses because it could be a little confusing. Is anybody here 38 years old? By any chance? Close? A little over or under? 39? Okay, you, you count. Who else is 38? Anybody close to 38? Ding? No, no, no. Don't raise your hand. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Keto, yes. Would you stand up just, just for a few seconds? Okay. I want you to look at Keto. How many of you guys love Keto? <laughs> Amen. So, Keto, you're, you're 39 years old. So, can you look at him, how good looking he is, how young he is, full of life? Okay, so think about that when we read the, these verses of the Bible. Thank you. Thank you, Kiro. So I want to speak to you about one of the most famous prayers in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. It talks about King Hezekiah. Uh, this story happened 700 years before Christ. And Hezekiah was 38 and a half years old when this happened. So every time you, you read in the Old Testament and you find the word in those days 
or during those days in Chronicles, Kings, or the book of Jeremiah or Isaiah, that word, that expression is used by the author of the book to make a great emphasis about the political situation that the story is surrounded by. What was happening? It's like during this day saying, oh, you know, when 9-11 happened, you know, I remember that I was still going to school. It's like that's what it means. When the Bible says in those days, it, it invites us to pay attention to the political situation of the day. So let me tell you a little bit about what was happening. So Hezekiah, he was king of the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah. Judah was one of the tribes of Israel. Israel had divided in two kingdoms. Uh, the northern kingdom had already fallen to Assyria. So Judah was a small little tiny country that was the only one left. Assyria was invading, was conquering. Uh, they had already conquered the Egyptians, Syria, every single town and country. Uh, they had already conquered. And Judah was the only part of Israel that had not been conquered yet. So Hezekiah was Kido's age when he was going through this situation. Not only that, but um, the king of Assyria had sent a threatening letter declaring war on Judah to Hezekiah and telling Hezekiah, Hey, Hezekiah, I am close to Judah. I am going to go and conquer you. So do not even be thinking about your God because just like the northern kingdom fell and the Egyptians fell, you will also fall and your God is not going to be able to rescue you. So you'll get ready because I am going to destroy Judah. Um, so this was happening, you know, during the story. And when that was happening, exactly at that time, Hezekiah gets very sick. So he's about to die. And when he's about to die is when this story starts. So let's read 2 Kings chapter 20, uh, verse 1 says, In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, now that I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and, will, and I will deliver you and this city from the hands of, your, of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. 
So Hezekiah was, you know, about 30 years of age. And I want to talk to you today about using the word of God during prayer. How powerful that is. So I want to speak about three different things. Number one, the context of the prayer. Number two, the immediate response of God during that prayer. And number three, what happens, you know, when God answers that prayer. So as I was saying to you before, it was a very difficult time. And I want to um, read, you know, the first and the second uh, verse of the Bible because the Bible says that in those days, you know, Hezekiah became really ill to the point of death. Have you ever been in a point in your life when things are going well and all of a sudden something bad happens around you and you're like, oh my gosh, this happens. But then you keep going and all of a sudden another problem comes. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going on? And then another problem, and then a huge problem comes, and all of a sudden you start counting your problems, and you start saying, God, what's going on in my life right now? What's happening? It's like everything is going wrong in my life. So that was the point at which Hezekiah was at that moment. But imagine that not only you were having so many problems at one stage in your life, but going through all of those problems, all of a sudden you become ill and you are going to die. Let's suppose that you are in your house. You are very sick. You have all of these problems. And then Pastor Henry goes and visits you, like every pastor, right? He goes to visit you. And when he enters the room, he sees you that you are very sick. You have ulcers all over, all over your body. You can hardly talk. You can hardly open your eyes. And all of a sudden, Pastor Henry comes and says, Hello, Adam, I'm, com I'm coming to see you, and I have a word from the Lord. The Lord says, get ready because you are going to die very soon. So put everything in order, okay? I'll see you later. Most of us would like the pastor to come in and say, you know, we're going to pray right now, and the God will heal, heal you and lift you up. And so I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. And, and you, most of us will, will, will expect some type of comfort, you know, from a spiritual leader. But it wasn't the case with Hezekiah on top of the problems that he had, on top of the sickness that he had and that he was about to die. Prophet Isaiah comes and tells Hezekiah, Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says, put everything in order because you're going to die. The Bible doesn't even say that Isaiah prayed for Hezekiah. Hezekiah just turned around and left. And then, you know, Hezekiah is left, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And the Bible says that, as soon as Isaiah left, and Isaiah was walking a few steps, you know, from the room where Hezekiah was, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he started praying. This is very significant. Let me tell you what, because the Bible doesn't say that the wall had some kind of picture of God, and he turned to the picture and prayed. People didn't even know how God was looked like or what his looks were. Uh, people didn't have an idea. The, the, the idea of God was a spirit. Uh, so uh, I'm assuming that that wall has some type of significance for Hezekiah. It was the place where Hezekiah used to go and pray. So Hezekiah, he could have just prayed on his bed and look, at, you know, look up and say, God, please, what's going on? But he, the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall and he started praying. So when he started praying, he said that Hezekiah, verse number 2, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you 
faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. How many of you guys have seen a man cry before? Raise your hand. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of women crying, and it breaks my heart. Uh, when I see a man crying, I really feel it. I feel like, wow, I've seen, you know, a few men cry in my life, and I, have, I don't even have a word that I can use to give them comfort. You know, at least women from mostly, you know, what I've observed, you know, you, you get close to them, you hug them, and you pray for them, and, and, and they start getting comfort. But, you know, when you see a man, men are, you know, very hard. You know, sometimes they don't pray. I mean, they don't cry, you know, like in front of everybody. A lot of men uh, just go, you know, by themselves, and they cry. Nobody sees them crying, but there's a Spanish song that says, I mean, it's a Mexican song that says that men always cry. So, but can you imagine when a heart is broken? Um, have you ever seen a person with a heart broken before? And you're like, wow, you know, that's really tough. And they can just stop crying. They keep crying and they keep crying. I mean, I think most of us have our hearts broken, you know, at one point in our lives. Um, I remember my little brother, Caleb. Um, I'm going to speak about him because he's not here, and you'll probably never meet him. And if you ever meet him, you're not going to tell him that I shared this story. But when he was eight years old, uh, my little brother fell in love, you know, with a little girl, you know, from the neighborhood. And um, so my little brother, Caleb, um, he saved, you know, for several days because Valentine was coming. And he just really liked this girl, you know, from the neighborhood. And, and they would talk and play soccer. I mean, real football, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. And my brother saved a lot, a lot of money, you know, for us back then. And he purchased a teddy bear, you know, with a beautiful heart that said, I love you. So my brother, he was very excited and with a lot of anticipation. He was waiting for Valentine. The day came. My brother, you know, he... He, he got very brave. He left the house and met the girl, you know, like in the middle of the neighborhood. And not everybody, you know, was watching. So my brother gave this girl, you know, the teddy bear. And then they all left. And my brother was, you have no idea how in love that little kid looked like. It reminds me of Kiari. Like, like really? Just loving everybody. And for some reason, that day, they had an argument about something. So this girl came out of her house and back in that town, you know, everybody was out uh, during that day. And this girl came out, and she got a pair of scissors, and she stabbed the little teddy bear in front of my brother and started cutting, you know, the teddy bear and getting the cotton, you know, out of the teddy bear and throwing on the dirt street. And everybody saw that, and my brother just couldn't stop crying. He cried for three days really, really badly. And my sister, you know, was trying to give him comfort. So, I mean, when the Bible says that he wept bitterly, it's because he did cry. I don't know how badly, I, I just can picture, you know, him, like having so many problems and having the spiritual leader 
from his life, come into his life and say, you know what, get your things in order because you're going to die pretty soon. Left. But he turned his face to the wall and started praying. And immediately the Bible says that God spoke to Isaiah and said, Isaiah, go back right now and speak to Hezekiah again. So think about that. But let me tell you. What is this, what it is so significant in the prayer that Hezekiah prayed? A lot of people think that Hezekiah was being self-centered, you know, by saying, God, remember how I've done things for you. But it isn't that way. Uh, Hezekiah was praying based in the covenant that God had made with the Israelites and with the kings, saying that if you follow my commands, everything will fall into place in your life. If you follow my commands, Deuteronomy chapter 4, I will bless you. If you do these things good, you will have a long life and you will have health. So Hezekiah was praying, like reminded God, God, remember, this is the way I have lived. This is the covenant that you and I have done, you know, in the with the people of Israel. That if we do things the way they're supposed to, I am not supposed to be sick. I am not supposed to be in this situation. So when God hears that prayer, immediately God speaks to Isaiah and says, Isaiah, go back to Hezekiah and tell him these words. And the Lord says to Hezekiah uh, in verse number 3, um, Hezekiah, again, remember the Lord, how I have worked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, uh, the God of your father David says. So that expression, this is what the Lord, the, the, the God of your father David says. God starts talking about the covenant that God had done with David and the kings. And God says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And on the third day, it says, you will go to the temple of the Lord and, you know, you will be healed completely. So why is that significant? Because in the covenant that God had done with David um, in the Old Testament, where God spoke to David saying, you are going to be king forever. God had promised to David that out of Judah, out of that tribe, the king of kings was going to be born. And that his kingdom will never fail. And that another king, the last king, the king of kings, eventually was going to born out of the descendants of David. So because of that covenant that God had made with David, God says, I am the Lord, the, the God of your father David. Like God is reminding Hezekiah, Hezekiah, I made a covenant with David that I will also keep with you. And the Lord says, I will heal you. Psalms. 51.17, it's a Bible verse, you know, that I really love. I don't know if you can see it there. But uh, David in that chapter of the Bible, he's talking about burnt offerings. Uh, he's talking about how sacrifices, human sacrifices that we make sometimes is not enough when we make mistakes or when we have problems. And David says in that verse, my sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. And he also said, a broken and contrite heart, 
you God will not despise. Do you know that the best offering that we can give to God is a broken spirit? And when our heart is broken, God can just really say no to us. Last, last weekend, um, I mean last Sunday, we were praying. And um, I just love the way Nina prays. I don't know if you pray with Nina, but she is very passionate, you know, about prayer. And when she started praying last Sunday, she was so passionate that I saw Hilda jump in right away and hug her. Because you could feel the passion and the brokenness in her heart. And I thought to myself, if a human being does that, how do you think God reacts when our heart is broken? I mean, the Bible says that Hezekiah wept bitterly. And as soon as Hezekiah wept bitterly and spoke to God, God, remember this covenant. Remember what you have always done. God couldn't say no. And God said to Isaiah, Isaiah, turn around. Go back. Run to Hezekiah and tell Hezekiah that I am I, the God, the God of David, I will heal him. I will help him. I will lift him up. He will get up from this sickness because God heard his, pray, his prayer. And when we pray, you know, with a broken heart, when we pray, you know, with a broken spirit, the Holy Spirit moves in our lives and God starts to listen to our prayers. So David understands there that, you know what, no matter how good we are, no matter how many great things we do, that doesn't convince God. What convinces God is when we have a broken spirit and a broken heart. So let me tell you what happens. So in the following verses, uh, verse number 6, God says, I will add 15 years to your life. And listen to this. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So God was talking about the covenant that he had done with David. That no matter how far they have gone, uh, God was always going to be with Judah. And let me tell you this. I want you to listen to this. Because there's about five to six covenants in the Old Testament that God did with Noah. God did with Abraham. God did with David. God did with the Israelites. But let me tell you this. The covenant that God made with David in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is the only covenant that does not include any requirements. In other words, if you read the covenant that God did with Noah and Abraham and the people of Israel, God says in Deuteronomy chapter 14, if you do this, I will bless you. If you obey my commands, you will have this. Uh, if you follow my decrees, I will bless you with this, with that, wealth, uh, children, life, health. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, the covenant that God did with David was, David, I have chosen you and out of you the true king will come eventually. And even if you disobey me, I will discipline you, I will punish you. But I am not going to leave you. It's the only covenant that God doesn't say any requirements, you know. And that's the covenant that we are in. Because that's why God said to um, Hezekiah, I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. 
I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So I don't know if you can see the connection there, but Hezekiah first, he starts praying with God using his understanding of the covenant that God had made with the people of Israel. But then God starts responding to Hezekiah, I will respond to you, I will answer you based on the covenant that I did with my servant David. Even though my people may have sinned, I will forgive you, I will bring you back. And I'm, I will bless you, but I will not bless you because you deserve it. I'm not going to bless you because you have earned it. I will bless you because I will love you unconditionally based on my love. God healed Hezekiah. And not only that, but a few days after, if you keep reading Second Kings, Chronicles and Isaiah, the king of Assyria sent 185,000 soldiers to attack Judah. And if you have read historically how the Assyrians were, they were the equivalent of what we know now in our days as ISIS. They will show up to a town or a country and they will just do horrific things to people, kill them all, steal their things, and basically they will wipe away any town and any country. And in the letter that the king sent to Hezekiah, he said, making fun of Hezekiah, he said, Hezekiah, you don't even have 2,000 horses in which you could place a soldier in. Your God is not going to save you. I have devastated everybody, including the northern kingdom and including the Egyptians who were a superpower then, but the Assyrians were becoming a superpower at that time. The story goes on to say that Hezekiah prayed again, and you can see it during his sickness. God promises Hezekiah, I will deliver you and my city. So the king of Assyria sends those 185,000 soldiers to kill everybody in Judah. Hezekiah is terribly sick. The only answer he has is the word of God. The covenant that God had made with David. I will rescue you. I will save you. Even if you are unfaithful, I will do these things for you. But not because you deserve it. I will do it because my love is faithful. And my reaching out to you is unconditional. The Bible doesn't say how many soldiers Judah had. It only says that the king of Assyria was making fun of Judah not having not even 2,000 soldiers in which they could place a soldier. So all of a sudden, 185,000 soldiers start to show up. And then not only that, but the king of Assyria sends an ambassador to Judah to remind them that these 185,000 people are coming to kill them and to tell them that their God is not going to save them. It starts to get very dark. Hezekiah doesn't know what to do. He's about to die. And all of a sudden, one angel from heaven 
comes down to the earth. And during the whole night, the angel of the Lord killed those 185,000 soldiers from Assyria in the middle of the sickness or a little bit after the sickness of Hezekiah. And when everybody wake up the next day, they were expecting to be invaded by the Assyrians. And when they start walking, they start to see all of these bodies and wondering themselves what happened here. Nobody knew what happened. And the king of Assyria, when he, when he saw that, he turned around, went back to his country, and never bothered the people of Israel again. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in Matthew 21, verse 9, that Jesus was the son of David. Jesus is the new covenant for us. The Bible says that Jesus said many times, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. If you ask in the name of Jesus, I will do it. But when you pray, I just want to tell you this morning that God doesn't violate this word. He keeps his word. Just like he did with Hezekiah. And I don't know what situation you might be going through right now. Maybe you're getting one problem after the other. One tragedy after the other. Maybe you're sick today. Maybe there's 185,000 problems, you know, invading your life. But I can tell you that if you seek after God with a broken heart, God will give you the answer. Not because you deserve it or not because you have earned it. Because he made a covenant with us through the scripture that anyone who prays unto his name will receive an answer. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you today, Lord God, for this story of Hezekiah, Lord God. 38 years old, sick, about to die. With 185,000 soldiers, Lord God, invading his country. Young, just close to death, Lord God. And on top of that, the prophet, his spiritual leader, show up to tell him, Hezekiah, get your things ready because you are going to die. But during that ter terrible time, Hezekiah remembered the covenant that you have done with the Israelites that if they lived a good life, that you were going to bless them with wealth and with health, with children and a long life. But when he prayed, Lord God, based on that covenant, you responded with the covenant of David. When you told David, David, out of you will come the king of kings. Out of you, I will choose the one who is going to rule over Israel forever. And you will reign forever. Your kingdom will never end. And no matter how destroyed it might seem, I will always rescue you. And no matter how far away you go from me, I will bring you back. I will discipline you, but I will still love you. And I will not forsake you because my love for you is unconditional. 
In that covenant, Lord God, the Bible also says in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the covenant, Lord God, that you have done with us. So I pray right now, Lord God, for any need, any sickness, any problem, any situation, Lord God, that might be happening in any of us right now. I pray that we will not forget that you are our God who keeps his word. You can never violate your word. You do not forget your word. You can never lie to us. You can never regret. You can never repent because you always do what is right, Lord God. And I pray right now that we will remember that covenant that if we come back to you, you will forgive us, you will heal us, you will rescue us. You might discipline us, Lord God, but you will do it because you love us. I pray for anybody who is going through a tough situation today. And I remind you, Lord God, just like Hezekiah did with you. I remind you, Lord God, that you said in John 14 that anything we ask in your name, that you will do it. Any broken financial situation right now, I pray, Lord God, that you restore those finances. Any dreams that might have been broken today, I pray that you will restore those dreams. Anybody who has lost any hope, I pray that you restore hope. Anybody who is sick, I pray that you restore health in the name of Jesus, Lord God. So as we continue to worship God, I will... Invite Pastor Henry.